You are listening to the Life Coach School podcast with Brooke Castillo, episode number 79. Welcome to the Life Coach School podcast, where it's all about real clients, real problems, and real coaching. And now your host, Master Coach Instructor, Brooke Castillo. Hey, everyone. How are you guys? I'm so excited to have one of my students, one of my colleagues, one of my friends, Molly Freestone on the podcast today. She works with mamas and we are going to talk about moms and what we struggle with as moms and some of the concepts that she helps moms work through. There is some good stuff in this conversation, and I love Molly. I think she's a fantastic person and coach, and I highly recommend any of you considering coaching hook up with her. So please enjoy. Hey, Molly. Are you there? Yes, I'm here. How are you? It's so funny how when you get on a um, podcast like that, you act like you haven't just been talking for five minutes. (laughs) (laughs) So it's all good. So I did an intro of you just before this. So everybody knows who you are and what you do. So I would like to just get started with um, having you talk a little bit about what your journey to being a life coach was. I think a lot of the people that listen to my podcast are very interested in becoming life coaches. Some of them are life coaches. And for those that are kind of maybe thinking about it in the back of their mind, how could you share your journey to becoming one that might be useful to them? Well, you know, I think for me, my journey was, well, I was going to say it was a fast journey, but in some ways it's been a long, slow journey, right? Of mm-hmm. life, all yeah. the life that happens before. Right. Um, so when I was introduced to life coaching, I really was at a point where I just had a lot of places in my life that I was really stuck and I felt like I didn't know how to move forward. Mm-hmm. Those areas. And so for me, I had a couple of coaching sessions and I was amazed at just that for me, it was a very fast transformation and change for me to feel like my, like things were really changing for me. Mm, Nice. And yeah, and it just, it was like, this is something that needs to be in my life. And this is something that I need to do. Mm. And Uh, I mean, I'm getting emotional just talking about it here because it really, it did make such a huge impact in me that I knew it needed to be in my life. And it wasn't long after that, that you had offered a course that was kind of something you'd added on and it wasn't the right time. It was like, oh, this isn't, you know, good timing. It's going to be down the road. But sure enough, I decided that sometime down the road seemed to be right now. And I just dove in and it's just been been amazing to continue to see life coaching, how it changes me and how I'm able to really share my experience with other people who I work with. So yeah, I think that's such a common experience for so many of us is that we get a taste of how effective it is and impactful it is and powerful it is. And then all of a sudden we're like, wait a minute. (laughs) 
<laughs> the world needs more of this. And this is so important that I want to be a part of this movement and part and part of this. Now, there's a lot of people who listen to my podcast that aren't interested in becoming a life coach. They're just interested in the experience of being coached. And I think there's also quite a few people that listen to the podcast that are interested in being coached, but kind of nervous about signing up for coaching and worried about what it will be like and if they will be able to do it and that sort of thing. So what would you say to someone like that who's kind of hesitating even doing a session with a coach? You know, I would just say, I mean, this is really simple, but just go for it. You're going to be amazed at how coaches are in this profession because they care so much and they're there for you. They want to help you. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I've been coached by so many coaches just in my training and groups that I've been with. And I have never had a situation where I feel like I've opened up and I've ever regretted it. Yeah, me too. So, yeah. And so, you know, if you're really ready to feel better, to make changes, to to do that, then I think it's just just go for it. <laughs> I love it. I totally agree with that. I think once you've had one session, now I think it's important. Most of my coaches that I've trained offer a free mini session where you can kind of just get a flavor if it's a good fit. You know, you'll get a sense of that, I think, right away and give yourself the opportunity to do that. But then I think being able to spend one hour, this is what I always say, like being able to spend one hour where you're just focused on your life and talking about your life to somebody else versus being in your life talking to someone. So how would you answer this? And and I'll put my two cents in too. Like, I think a lot of people that don't understand our industry would just say, I don't need to pay for a friend, right? I have my friends that coach me. And I was like, oh, no, it's very different when you're paying someone for an hour versus talking to a friend. What would you say about that if someone said that to you, Molly? Oh, yeah. I mean, absolutely. As a good example for that, my sister is also a coach. Mm -hmm. And, you know, sometimes when I call her, I'll say, hey, I need a coach. If you can't be my coach right now, I can't talk to you because my sister will not help me right now. (laughs) So I do. I literally do because friends are so great to offer the, you know, the camaraderie and to listen and to really tell us to kind of agree with our story about Mm -hmm. what's with us. Right. Whereas in a coach position, you just you're so neutral and you bring to light a whole new perspective and help people discover what they just can't see. They can't see the forest through the trees. And so I think that's what it is. It's this broader picture. It's a more open look of what's really going on and how you can solve your own, you know, problems going on. Right, right. Absolutely. So one of the tools that we teach at the Life Coach School is called holding the space. So when we're coaching someone, we are holding the space without judgment at all. Like we don't have an opinion about what our clients should or should be doing. With our friends, we always have an opinion. We always know exactly what they should do. We're always judging everyone who's mean in their lives, right? We're we're always commiserating. It's a completely different experience when I'm talking to a friend versus when I'm coaching someone. The other thing that like what you were talking about, Molly, is I think when you're paying someone for an hour just to focus, like when you're talking to a friend, it's kind of this back and forth. Tell me about your life. No, tell me about what's going on with you. 
when you have a whole hour to, and most sessions are an hour with most coaches, some of them 45 minutes, but if you're focused on your life from outside of your life and looking at it from that clean perspective with someone that's holding the space, you will see your life in a way that you've never seen it before. And that's something that your friends can't offer you, nor should they, right? They're supposed to take your side on everything. Yeah, as they should. Right. And even like your sister, when she's being your sister, she's gonna be like, yeah, let's go kick their ass, whatever it is. But when it's a coach, there's just this like, well, let's look at it from all perspectives without judgment that can really change. And that's what you were talking about when you had your first sessions, like it changes so much so fast that you can't even imagine what just happened right? When you're getting coached by someone. So I I think that that's, that's so powerful. So tell us a little bit about who you work with in your coaching practice and what you offer them and and kind of um, maybe your philosophy behind why you chose the group that you did. Yeah. Okay. So I, I am passionate about working with moms. I love the women I work with as a mom myself of three kids, three very different kids and kind of, you know, trudging my way through motherhood. I just see a really great need to have support for moms who are just, you know, motherhood seems to like all the rules went out the window when I became a mom. I mm-hmm. felt like <laughs> yep. everything that made sense before no longer made sense. And specifically, I focus on really helping moms with their fears and insecurities mm-hmm. around messing up as a parent. It's so funny because I always am saying like, you're such an amazing parent before you are one. (laughs) And then you become a parent and you're like, oh my God, like, why am I so worried all of the time? And why am I so insecure with what I'm doing? And am I doing it right? Right. It's, I think that was the biggest surprise for me is I just thought it was all going to be love and rainbows. And I knew exactly how I was going to raise them. And then what, you know, when I became a mom, I was like, wait, what? Because it's a full on identity crisis, right? When you become a mom, you're not expecting that. I wasn't anyway. No, not at all. I wasn't either. Yeah. And just, and, and it, so yeah, it kind of pulls the rug right out from under you, you know? And so I really, I created the, my practice to really help moms to be able to find their confidence in their own way of doing motherhood. Mm-hmm. And be able to work through their fears and to ultimately, you know, the more we can face those fears and find our confidence, we're going to be more effective as parents. And, and that's one of our fears, right? Is that we're not being effective. And as long as we have these fears floating around, we're probably not being very effective. So just helping these women to see why they're feeling overwhelmed, why they're feeling so fearful about messing up and really that like sense of having the weight of the world on their shoulders. And as we can kind of sift through and get that mental clarity, I believe, I feel like it brings out the true you, the true and best version of yourself, right? The mother that your child really needs and wants. Right. So, so like for me, I think it's, I have teenagers right now. And I think that we go through this, no matter how old our kids are. I think if our kids are long gone, we still go through this, right? We want to be the best parent. And I think a lot of what I, what really helped me was to understand that my kid is going to have his own journey, no matter what, and how I parent 
my kid will influence them tremendously, but it's not going to determine who they are. And I think when I really learned this, and I know that you do this a lot in your work with moms, but I think it's really important for people that are listening to kind of really understand this process is if you've grown up believing that your parents are responsible for who you are and you blame them or give them credit for who you are, then as you raise your own children, you will take on that undue responsibility and it will make you a controlling and creepy parent. (laughs) (laughs) Right? And so it's like that need to kind of control, I'm going to do this perfectly so my kid won't turn out the way that I did, I think is what makes us so challenged as parents, I think, because we want to, we have this pressure on ourselves to do it right. And then the we have that fear, like what you said, am I doing this right? Am, is my child going to turn out the way that they need to? Am I being the exact parent that they need? And so for me, when I really kind of released my parents from responsibility or blame as to how I turned out and kind of gave myself credit and responsibility, I think that really helped free me up as a parent. Whereas I think a lot of times mothers don't realize that how important that work is. They're like, I don't want to think about my thoughts about my parents. I just want to think about my kids. So do you see that in your practice? What are your thoughts on that? Oh, yeah, absolutely. We just, you know, we want so, so bad to just fix or make good or right what's in front of us, what we have to do. Yeah. And forget about the work behind that, right? Of if, it, like you said, if if I'm responsible for how I turned out and what's going on with me, then it, it just allows you to release that sense of responsibility yep. for, you know, everything that your kids do and everything they're able to accomplish. So, right. yeah, definitely. And I think, too, the other thing is, for me, one of the things that I needed coaching on, and, and I still do, is seeing my kids performance or how my kids show up in the world as a reflection on me. I think when they're little, it's more about how they behave that I see a lot of parents doing. And I know I did too, as a reflection on me. So if my child came in and sat down and was very polite and very calm and very well-mannered, then somehow I got to take credit for that. And if they came in and act like a total hellion, which by the way, is what my two boys always did. (laughs) I would, I was always some reflection on how I was parenting them or not. And I think that that's one of the things that gets you into trouble when the kids are younger. And even as they're older, you know, how they have manners or show up with adults, how they do in school, how they do in sports, we somehow feel like it's a reflection on us. So can you talk a little bit about that and how you you work with parents on that? Yeah. Yeah, the program that I do, I, I go through these different tracks that we fall into. And that's one of them that we really focus a lot on. Because mm-hmm. I know when, like, for example, when my kids were little, my first child, he just, he had manners. I swear he had manners in the womb. He just knew what to say. And he we got, you know, got a lot of positive attention. Oh, you're such a great mom. You're teaching him mm-hmm. so well. And my second child came along and it was like, <laughs> where did this kid come from? You know? And so I got to where sometimes when people would compliment me about my kids, I would jokingly say like, no, thank you. I don't want to take credit for that. Or I have to take credit for the bad too. And I don't want to. So, you know, but yeah, it's so important because there's, there's 
the part of us where how we show up as a parent, right? How, like you said, with little kids, that it's so much about their behavior. And so, yes, we want to teach them and train them and do the best we can. But ultimately, like you said, our kids have their own journey. They have their own personality. And so we can take responsibility about how we show up as a parent and what we give. But then they're the ones that have to take responsibility and credit for the right. success and failures that they create. Yeah, absolutely. Because, so, you know, and that's in that, like with success, we think it, it's funny because it's almost like we want to give our kids success, but mm-hmm. you can't give success. Success has to be created. And so I think, you know, as we work through some of these thoughts and get some clarity on the, on situations that, you know, my clients are facing that, that it just, um, it does free up that burden. Like, of course we can't control how they're going to show up or what they're going to take from us. And, you know, we just get to be in charge of us and what we bring. And I think that that's so hard for moms to wrap their mind around because I think so many of us feel like all of our time and energy should be going towards the children and we don't necessarily think about ourselves. And I remember when I was a young mom and I listened to um, an Abraham audio. And one of the things that they said is the best gift. This is still one of my favorite quotes of all time. The best gift you have to give your children is your own happiness. And for me, that was so profound because my mother had been so depressed my whole life. And what she had tried to do was give me all the best opportunities and the best you know, gifts and the best things to do. And when I think back on it, I'm like, what I really would have loved is not any of those things, not, you know, the money or the education opportunities or the experiences, but really I just wanted my mom to be happy. That's what I spent a lot of my childhood trying to do was make her happy and proud. And I think if more moms understood that, that like our children just really want us to be happy separate from them, right? So talk about this, Molly. So I think a lot of times, so for me as a child, I was always like looking at my mom to be happy because of what I was doing. And I think when we raise our kids with that, my kids are my whole life, right? And when they're happy, I'm happy. And I think people think that's a very altruistic thing to do. But as a child, that's so much pressure on me as a child to make sure I'm happy so you can be happy. So will you speak to that a little bit? Like, what do you think about, I know that your moms must struggle with the same thing, like focusing on themselves seems like a luxury, right? Versus focusing on the kids. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, when we talk about priorities, for my clients to put themselves on their top five list of priorities Mm -hmm. is so hard for them. A lot of times it doesn't even occur to them Mm -hmm. to put themselves on there. But it's that, crazy when we challenge their beliefs about that, right? And we look, take a look at what it would look like if their happiness and their well-being was actually a priority. Um, It's kind of like, you know, we all, we all know this. I'm sure a lot of people have heard this analogy or thought about it. Like when you travel and they have the oxygen masks and they're, you know, the flight attendant is Mm -hmm. doing the the little feel about that. And they always say, right, if you're traveling with small children, put your mask on first and then help the child. And then they go around to everyone and personally make sure that they know that because our natural instinct is to, you know, help the child first, help the child be happy first, do that first. But until we can secure our own oxygen mask, until we can take 
responsibility for our own emotional well-being, we're not, we're just not in a place to really be the mom we want to be, right? We can't be our the best version of ourselves unless we're taking care of ourselves. Right. And I think for me, it's, it's so counterintuitive, right? To think that like, when you grow up, oh my God, my mom was always so happy. She was always delighting in her life. She was always so happy with her body and she took such good care of herself. And she always had so much energy for us, right? Versus, oh, my mom, she totally let herself go and was always focused on us and was always worried about us. I think we don't think about that as being something that may not be ideal for a child. We think, oh, it's very altruistic of me to always be focused and worried about my kids. And when you think of yourself as a kid, like having a mother that's delighted with her own life and that takes really great care of herself, I think is so much more powerful. But we just don't think that way because we're so in love with the kids, right? <laughs> we focus yeah. on them all, all of the time. Yeah. So what are some of the ways that you help moms like us get more focused on us when we're, we're so reluctant to do that? Well, it, one of the things that can be really helpful is just really spending some time taking a look at how things would be if your needs were met. Mm-hmm. You know, taking a look at, okay, let's figure out what your needs are. Because a lot of times, you know, let's say um, I'm working with a mom and we go through her priorities and she's frustrated that she can't meet everyone's needs. She doesn't feel like she's a good partner. She's not a good mom. She's overwhelmed, all of these things. And without fail, as we just, we just challenge it, right? We just say, let's just go out on a limb and say that we put you as a first priority. And we really move into that space of what that looks like, what that feels like. Mm-hmm. And, um, and as we do that, and as they realize, wow, if I have enough sleep and if I have joy and if I have all of these things, then I can really be a good mom. You know, I can get it all done. I can, I can create those relationships and, and do all of that. So for me, I think for me myself as well, this is something that I continue to challenge myself on because it does come so naturally, right? To put the kids above us in priority. Right. Um, but as we can really catch the vision of how our life will be different when we can take care of ourselves and create joy for ourselves, it's a no brainer, right? Because of course we want, we want to be that person for ourselves and for our family. Yeah. I I think for me, hearing that quote, the best gift you have to give your children is your own happiness. It resonated with me so deeply because of my experience as a child that I think then the job of focusing on how to be happy for myself and not relying on my kids to provide that to me was such a like mind blowing experience. And I think that the challenge that some moms might have is, well, yeah, if I'm going to take care of myself, I want to go to the Bahamas and I want to get a pedicure and I want to get massages all the time, but come on, really, we don't have the money or time to do that. And I think that's just another excuse, right? I think really owning that your mental health and your physical health are 
priorities to you and really taking care of that. I mean, I think first of all, then you have so much more to give your kids. And not only that, your kids do what you do. They don't do what you say. And when you aren't taking care of yourself mentally and physically, that's what they learn. And if you, you know, it's like we want our kids to grow up and be nice, caring, connected, intimate individuals. And yet we don't even like acknowledge when our husband walks in the room, (laughs) you know, and for me, that was a real challenge when we had kids was to like, and and I'm sure you work on this in your work too, is like focusing on the kids a hundred percent of the time and then trying to tell my husband how he should focus on the kids to make them happy. And that was huge. And I know that um, I've had a lot of clients work with this too, is like being able to let go of, and it sounds funny to say this, but let go of my husband's relationship with his sons. Oh yeah. I mean, that's huge. That it. That's the other thing that, you know, a lot of the work I do around these fears is it just creates this unnecessary marital stress. Right. Because now not we want so bad for our kids to be happy and successful that it's not enough for us to pour everything into it. But we're also worried about what our husband is or is not pouring into it. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So releasing that is, I mean, it's huge. And sometimes there can be resistance to feel like, you know, hard to let that go. But when we get to the point where we can let go of that, it's so liberating. It's just a relief, you know? Well, it's a relief. I think, first of all, for me, and I'll just speak to myself personally, it was a relief to not have to control my husband because I'm not good at it. (laughs) (laughs) I remember when the kids were little and he was like giving them a bath and I was like trying to like tell him how to do it, like, and how to do it properly. And he, and believing he doesn't know what he's doing. Right. And I think a lot of the times then he would be like, oh, I guess I don't know what I'm doing. And I remember thinking like, he's an adult, he's bathed himself. (laughs) He's a man, right? This is his son. This is ridiculous that I'm feeling like I need to control this. And I often have to tell myself that, you know, Connor's relationship with his dad is between Connor and his dad and me telling Chris that like how he should be a dad so I can feel better is completely counterproductive. Now, it doesn't mean that we don't both have conversations about how we want to parent and that sort of thing. But being able to release that, first of all, just as a mom was just so, like you said, it was just such a relief not to have to take responsibility for that relationship because I could barely take responsibility for my own. But And then what that did with my marriage and not being so like nitpicky and controlling and naggy with him, then I was able to see him more as a partner and we could discuss like our mutual challenges with parenting. It really helped clear that up for me. But I will say that I think that was one of the most challenging pieces for sure. Yeah. Yeah. That's very, very common. Right. Yeah. With all the, everyone that I've worked with, it always comes up. So what are some other things that your clients worry about or are stressed about? Anything we haven't talked about yet? Well, I know one thing, because I know you kind of touched on this and we talked about, you know, mom making herself a priority and her happiness. But, uh-huh. you know, another thing is just us really feeling responsible for our kids' happiness, right? Mm-hmm. And so, and I know people probably that listen to your podcast are familiar with emotional responsibility. And it's like, it's almost like we swap it out, right? Like we're going to make sure that they're happy and then they get to be in charge of if we're happy. 
based on, you know, their behavior. And sometimes we see that we can go, I I do feel responsible for my kids' happiness. And other times we don't really realize we feel that way until they're unhappy or they're complaining or whatever. And then it's like, why can't you be happy? (laughs) Well, and I think too, I know for me as a parent, you know, we have this false sense, I think, that our kids should be happy as often as possible. And it's our job to quote unquote, make them happy. And I remember my kid was in, I think, first grade, and he got his school pictures. And we cut all the school pictures up. And he had some of those little ones that you can give out to your friends. And so he went to school and he gave one of his pictures to a little girl that sat next to him. And she said, Ew, I don't want that picture. And he was devastated. And he came home and told me and I was devastated. And I got on a coaching call with my coach and I said, oh my God, I can't even tell you how devastating this is. My beautiful son had this experience and it was so awful. And I was like, my whole morning was ruined. I remember (laughs) I was like sitting in the Starbucks parking lot crying about this. And my coach said to me, well, it sounds to me like you don't want your son to experience emotional pain. And I said, well, of course I don't want my son to experience emotional pain. And she said, but why? Because if when your child is a child, if they don't learn how to manage their emotional pain, they will never be able to manage it as an adult. And I remember when she said that, I was like, oh my God, it's kind of like when I let him cry in his crib and he learned how to soothe himself, right? That just never ends, does it? Because even now I just want him to be happy all of the time. Yes. Oh, of course. We would love that, right? Right. Totally. And so whenever he, even now it's like, I want to find a way for them never to experience pain and whatever I can do to make sure that happens. But now when he, either one of my sons are in pain, I always have to tell myself like, this is their opportunity. I have so much confidence in them that they can figure out how to soothe themselves, manage themselves, handle themselves. And if I swoop in all the time, they won't learn how to do that. And that's when they're going to turn to external things to solve those problems. But I think that's the hardest thing because basically what we're saying is I'm responsible for how I feel and my kid is responsible for how they feel. And I think that for some of our clients that might feel like we're being cold or non-caring. What do you think about that? I think, you know, for me, like when we look at the thought model, right? Mm -hmm. Like it makes it so clear that it's literally impossible for me to make my child happy. I, it's it's impossible. I right. can't do it. And so to me, when you look at it that way, it's not necessarily cold, but it's really about giving them the gift of understanding and learning how to create those emotions for themselves yes. and, to, and how they really have happiness. Because it's kind of like success, right? We can't give them happiness. But what we can do is love them and give them the space to help them learn to create their own happiness. And that's the best thing we can do for them. Totally. And I think also demonstrating that we're not always happy and that we work through our own negative emotion. And this is like huge. Can you be happy when your child isn't? Can you show them? Because I think a lot of times we think, okay, when our child's upset, then we should be upset too. 
And I'll give yeah. you an example of this that was really powerful for me as a child. When I had a um, really tragic accident with one of my show horses, I used to ride as an equestrian and I had this very tragic accident where we had put side reins on the horse and he backed up and flipped over and hit, hit the top of his head on a corral post and immediately it cracked his skull and immediately he died and there was blood gushing out of his, I mean, it was the most tragic, gory experience I've ever experienced in my life to this day. And I was at the barn by myself and somebody gave me a ride. I couldn't get a hold of my parents and someone gave me a ride to a restaurant where my parents were. And I went there and I was devastated and in shock and I had blood all over me. It was just horrible. And so I went into the restaurant and my mom, when I told her what had happened, was so unconsolable. Like she was so upset about it that it was almost like my pain. She was so upset for me and for the horse that she was of no help to me. Right. Whereas my dad, my stepdad was so, he wasn't so involved in the emotion. So he was able to kind of hold that space for me to fall apart. And I think that's what we can do on a much smaller scale for our children when they're upset about a grade. We don't have to be upset about the grade, right? When they're upset about their friend saying something to them, we don't have to be upset about it. I think that that we think, oh, if we're upset about it too, that's a really caring thing for us to do. But I think sometimes when we are unaffected by something, we can show them that the thing itself isn't upsetting. It's how we're choosing to think about it that's upsetting. I mean, I think that is extremely, extremely powerful. And I, I wish for myself to be that strength for my kids to let them have pain and I can still be in a happy space. Oh, yeah. If you're adding to your child's emotion with your own upset, it's yep. kind of like it's it's even more overwhelming, you yes. know? And so, yeah. So I think, you know, I, and of course, like I've said, I've got three kids. So I'm I'm in the same boat as all these moms that I work with too. Yep. And it's, you know, when we can effectively manage our own emotional life and we're okay, that's so much more of a strength for our kids. Yep. And they can feel so secure in knowing that you're okay. And so they can fall apart as much as they need to Yes. process that without you being mixed into their emotional mess that's going on inside of them, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, and then they feel like, you know, I think sometimes kids feel like they have to hold it together. So mom doesn't worry and fall apart, right? Yeah. Whereas if mom's just okay, because mom's okay, mom's not going to fall apart because her kid's upset or going through something or struggling with something, then I think that that's such a gift. But I want to say that it's not easy. Like we're talking about it and people are listening to it and being like, oh, maybe that's something that I want to try. I think that having someone help you see that is so incredibly powerful. I think all moms, I think as soon as you have a child, you should get a coach. <laughs> it should just be included, <laughs> right? I think you should have yes. a, a night nurse. <laughs> It helps you with the lack of sleep. And then I think that you should have a coach that can kind of help you through that process, like that instruction manual, like it's okay. It's okay that your kids are upset. It's okay that they're struggling with negative emotion. They're going to figure this out. This is their journey. And I think that's the other thing for me is knowing that I'm responsible for my journey much more than I'm responsible for my child's journey. I'm here to kind of support them in their journey, but their journey is all about them. That's a challenge for me, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. It's And it's because I think motherhood, just like when we become a parent, 
it's so personal, right? Yes. It pulls all our deepest insecurities and fears and everything we thought was gone just pops up again. And so, so yeah, that really is a challenge and yet something worth working through to be able to kind of separate yourself from yeah. your journey and their journey and the role, how they, how they relate to one another. Totally. And and I think one of the things, and maybe this is kind of the last point we can make, because I think a lot of parents are so buried in the minutia of the everyday life, right? It's like, I got to get my house clean. I got to get the kids to soccer practice. I got to get a lunch made. I got to get dinner made. I got to get, and before they know it, you know, the week is over. And I think that right there, people think, oh, I need a coach to help me get my life organized. And what I've seen with the work that you do and with what we teach is that once you get your brain managed and once you come back to yourself and make yourself a priority, then all of that stuff becomes so much easier to manage right? The house and getting it clean and the lunches and all that. When you're not taking care of yourself, that stuff just seems so overwhelming and ridiculous. I mean, I remember feeling that way. Like there's just not enough hours in the day. And when is nap time? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I I couldn't wait for that. So Melly, if somebody wants to hook up with you and learn more about what you offer, or maybe even just talk to you in a free mini session about what you offer, what's the best way for them to get a hold of you? Yeah. So my website is mollyfreestone.com. And I have right now like some little freebie videos on there that talk about the three motherhood myths mm-hmm. that most commonly make us worry. And So if you go to my site, you can sign up to get those. And then, of course, there's always the option on my site of signing up for a free mini session with me. So I love to do those. I feel like, you know, we were able to stay really focused on an issue facing you and just and see what's going on and see, you know, where you can get some new insight and make some changes. So. Yeah. And I think for any of you who have been listening to my podcast for a long time and you've kind of played with the idea of hiring a coach and you've maybe been nervous about it or not sure about it, I think this is such a great way to kind of dip your toe in the water, having a free mini session, especially with someone like Molly. She's very nice. I think, I think people are scared to call me, (laughs) but I just think, especially if you're a mom struggling with any of, of what we've talked about today, I would really encourage you to do that and, and kind of just get a taste of what it might be like to have like an hour a week. I know it may feel for some of you like a luxury to pay a coach and to spend an hour, but I tell you, I I would say that would be the best investment over your kid's college fund, right? I would say that's the best investment you could ever make in yourself to get that perspective and kind of get back that freedom that is absolutely available to you. You don't have to wait until your kids are, what is it? First, we're waiting for them to be out of diapers. Then we're waiting for them to be out of school for summer. And then we're waiting for them to be out of the house. And then we miss them tremendously. So I think it can go by in a blur if you're not really slowing yourself down and finding some peace with yourself. So I highly recommend that you do that. So Molly, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I loved talking to you. It was so great. I'll talk to you guys all next week. Take care, everyone. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Life Coach School Podcast. It would be incredibly awesome if you would take a moment to write a quick review on iTunes. For any questions, comments, or coaching issues you would like to hear on the show, please visit us at www.thelifecoachschool.com.